Here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're back on the Blitz. Hour number three, 713-780. ESPN's your number, 713-780-3776. Or you can get us on the Blitz Facebook page. Find the Blitz. Click like. You're good to go. There's Twitter at Fred Fowler, F-A-O-U-R. At A.J. is the real. At Aaron is Blitz. Dad Degenerates 975. You can text the show. Know the number for that. You can uh, watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN975. You missed the first two hours. You missed a lot of good stuff. That's some of what you missed. And then you missed uh, Swingers Party with Cops and you know, lottery tickets and all kinds of cool things. And uh, you know what? We'll keep it going here in hour number three because we promised you some gambling. But uh, you know what? I, I want to do a giveaway. Is that okay with Please you? Please do. Uh, all right. People so, love free stuff. And I love giving free stuff to the people because... I love the people, most of them. You know, there's a few I don't, but hey, that's okay. So here we go. Uh, Thursdays on TBS, Burt Kreischer hosts Go Big Show, the most extreme talent competition ever, with celebrity judges Snoop Dogg, Rosario Dawson, Jennifer Nettles, and Cody Rhodes. At uh, 6.05, caller number 5 to 713-780-3776 wins a $25 Buffalo Wild Wings gift card to check out the Go Big Bundle, which includes 20 traditional and 20 boneless wings and fries. Available only at buffalowildwings.com or in the Buffalo Wild Wings app. And be sure to enter the Go Big or Go Home sweepstakes at tbs.com slash sweeps for your chance to win a Ford F-250. Tune in to Go Big Show Thursdays at 8 p.m. Now I want some wings, man. Ah, that, that sounds delicious. All right, uh, let's do this. Let's take a look at the lines for next weekend and we'll start Rams getting seven at Green Bay think there's any chance that gets outside of seven or is that that the number I, I mean if it does if it goes more than seven I think that's it's it's got to be the Rams right uh, again I'm nervous about the the two teams that had the buy because that's just such a big impact uh but I mean, I, I would I would certainly lean the lean the Rams at seven. I would lean Packers inside of seven. Yeah, it's the classic uh, rust or rest question. Yeah, you know? and and that's uh, I, what I need to do is go look at the uh, the Packers the last two years off the bye and see what their record is. But I'm guessing it's probably two and zero. Oh. It's not a really good uh, indicator. Forty five and a half is your total. Um, yeah, I, I I don't have an opinion on that at all. Raven, I don't either. Ravens plus two and a half at Bills. If you give me a three, I'm taking the Ravens here. I don't think yeah, I'm going to get that, one, though. Although it's plus 115 for the two and a half. So. Yeah, it opened at one, so it's, uh, it's Bill's money floating in. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's an over game. Uh, I, th- I think it's a, it's a high-scoring game. 15 and uh, a half right now, yeah. I think that both these teams are – like the, Bill, the, the Ravens' run defense is so dominant. We saw that last week now that they've got everybody healthy. The Bills could care less if you've got a, a dominant run defense because they're not looking to run the ball. They don't no. really care about that. The real question is, can you contain Josh Allen? Can you keep him in the pocket? I, I don't know if the Ravens can do that. The Ravens do have good guys in the secondary, but they're also guys who are prone to giving up big plays, and that's what the Bills absolutely thrive on. Well, and this is also kind of a classic uh, monkey off the back for both teams. You know, the, the Bills getting their first playoff win since, what, 95? And, you know, Lamar Jackson had not won a playoff game, so they both get those wins. And, and I, I think that's – it's got to be a little bit of a relief because even late in the game with the Colts, you could see that the Bills were getting a little tight. Yeah, And I know you didn't participate in every game since 95 that you didn't win, 
but you sure did hear that all week. So I think that's a big step for them. I, I, I think the Bills win the game, but, man, the Ravens are the one team I do not want to see right now if, if I'm in the AFC because I, I was really hoping it was going to be Steelers-Bills because I – I, I would have. Well, I was hoping that too, Fred. I know. Trust me. I would have pushed that. that <laughs> you could have basically moved on the Bills as, game, as if it's already been played. But uh, this is what you get. I think it's going to be a great game. Can't wait to watch it and hope the Bills win. But we'll see. Thanks, and, Fred. Well, you know what? I I, I have my, my neighbors are big Bills fans. I have a lot of friends who are big Bills fans. It's hard for me not to like the Bills. They're just fun. They always have been. The Bills Mafia. I love the Bills Mafia. And, you know, one of these days I'll live in Toronto. It's going to have to be my NFL team. So uh, I'm rooting for the Bills. How about that? Um, Browns plus 10 against Kansas City. I, I think it has to be the Browns. Uh, I think uh, 10 is just too much in, in a game like that. And let's face it, I, I think people are maybe a little bit confused right now about how Vegas views the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is, I mean, this game opened at eight and a half and people were like, oh, that's crazy because, you know, the Chiefs are the, the I mean, they're the dominant team, right? So every, everyone's looking to bet on the Chiefs. Like if you look at, at some, you know, I'm not going to use mine because mine are mine, but I'll tell you now, I'm pulling up a couple teams, uh, power rankings or power ratings in it, or Vegas power ratings. Here's one that has the Chiefs sixth in the power ratings. So this is, it's not like the Chiefs are widely regarded as the unquestioned best team in the league. I don't think that's the case anymore. Uh, Now, that same power ratings uh, has the Cleveland Browns, uh, where are the Cleveland Browns here? They have them at 22. So, I mean... the Browns aren't widely respected either, and I don't think we're going to see a repeat performance. I think the Browns luck boxed into a, a – I won't say they luck boxed into a win because that Steelers team could be had. I think that the likelihood that they're able to do that against Kansas City is very low. That said, 10 points is just too much for me to give in an, in an NFL playoff game, especially a, you know not a first-round game with some scrub-a-dub team like the, the, the football team playing against uh, a, a real legit team. This was – you know, this, this is a – a Chiefs team that hasn't been blowing teams out. They're not very good against the spread. I, I don't picture them blowing this Cleveland team out. Yeah, and, and I think here's here's the one thing that concerns me is I, I, I talked all year about the, the Browns being kind of your classic front runner. And, you know, we saw that with, with the Steelers. Once they got the lead, they were going to run away and uh, they were going to run away and hide. And they did. And I, I just kind of feel like now – if they can come out and keep it close early, they're they're going to play with a lot of confidence. And you know, you look at the Chiefs' last meaningful games. All right, we're not going to count the Chargers game. Yeah, they beat the Falcons by three. Uh, they beat the Saints by three. They beat the Dolphins by five. Uh, they they beat the Broncos twenty two to sixteen. They beat the Bucks twenty seven twenty four. Got some good wins in there, but. I mean, 33-31 over the Panthers. I mean, they've, they've won all their games have been close. Beat the, When they beat the Raiders, 35-31. So I I think 10 points is too much. I think you're, you're looking at a confident Browns team that's finally done something that they hadn't done in forever either. And, you know, if they get out there and, and pull a Texan and do what they did last week and get a big lead, 
I don't know if the Chiefs can catch him. Uh, and I don't think that's going to well, happen. Well, see, that's the thing. I mean, the Chiefs are built to come from behind if they fall behind. The Browns are not because the Browns right. are so reliant on their run game. If the Chiefs get up 14 nothing, it could get ugly. It could. Because, because the Browns aren't built to score a bunch of points quickly. That's, I mean, even though they did do it in the first quarter against Pittsburgh, but that was, no, it was, it was mostly fluid. thanks to Pittsburgh. <laughs> but you know what? That's, that's the thing. If the Chiefs come out a, a, little, uh, a little sloppy like they did against the Texans last year, and the Browns get the lead, then you're going to see an awful lot of Nick Chubb, and and they're and that's to me will shorten the game and make it harder for Kansas City than it usually would be. I I, I like the I like the Browns plus ten. I never thought I would ever bet against the Kansas City Chiefs. Are you betting it? Yeah, I'm betting the Browns. All right. Uh, I never thought I'd bet the Browns against the Kansas City Chiefs. If you've listened to the show forever, you know that I think the Browns are a phony bunch of, and I don't want to overreact to last week. But it's more a look at what the Chiefs have been over the last month. They've been a team that wins one possession games, unlike your beloved Texans. You know what? The Texans are almost the Chiefs, AJ. Oh, they're one step away. Yeah, and like a bunch of wins. <laughs> and uh, finally, Tampa and New Orleans. Uh, this number is exactly what I would would have thought it would be. Tampa. I have plus no three. idea what's going to happen in this game. Me either. I, I mean, I, it's. I, I think these two teams. This could. This could really go either way. I'm definitely not planting my flag one side or the other on this thing yeah i mean i i lean saints but i don't i, I just think it's to me this is going to be a coin flip game and the saints but you have, leaning saints is like me leaning ravens right. pretty much every game you you yeah. always tend to give a, if it's close you're like oh, i'll lean the saints here but i'm not giving three points so yeah I, 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 I don't think i could either in fact like if i if it was one of those things where we had to play a side i, I would want to be i'd prefer to be on the side getting points whichever side that might be right Right, I I agree with that, but uh, the one, but the Browns, I I mean, I'm going to keep keep an eye on that number because it, it has gone up to ten. If it gets outside of ten, I I mean, I'm going to hit it again. Yeah, but uh, I like that, and I like the Rams plus seven. Uh, otherwise, Ra- I don't want to bet the Ravens game because if if it gets to three, I'd bet the Ravens, and I want the Bills to win, so I'll probably pass. But uh, and then nothing on the Bucks Saints. That's, but that number is exactly where where I would have put it. I would have made it Saints minus three. So, whenever that happens, usually best to just say, "Eh, I'm gonna pass on this one." There you go. Uh, you got some news here. Per per the uh, Seattle Seahawks Twitter account, Brian Schottenheimer is a fantastic person and coach, and we thank him for the last three years. Citing philosophical differences, we have parted ways. Well, that, that, that means he's available. Uh, you know, I publicly uh, removed myself from any Brian Schottenheimer, uh, you know, talk about him being a head coach like, uh, yesterday. I decided now I'm good. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. I, what I don't, I'll say what I don't like the Seahawks talk like there's talks about they need to fire John Schneider. He just signed a extension yeah. today. Yeah. There were people who were upset about that. Like we should have fired him. Are you kidding me? Like how quickly you forget the guy that built this roster. That's a, that's a laugher. Yeah, I get that but he, that's, he, that's that's the world we live in, man. Remember people talk about, oh, fire Mike Tomlin after the game the other night. You know, yeah. All right. I mean, that 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 the Seahawks just played a bad game. Yep. And that that game could have gone either way too. That's that's just life. That they're there every year. I'm glad he got a contract extension. All right, hopefully Jerome Solomon when we return. It's the Blitz on ESPN 97, 5925.
This is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. Behold the king. The king of kings. You are listening to The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're back on The Blitz. And you know what that music means. Time for the legendary Jerome Solomon. You can follow him on Twitter. At Jerome Solomon, Chronicle columnist, TV star, radio star. And a big Jack Easterby supporter. What's going on, Jerome? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Jack Easterby's in the house. <laughs> Yo, we all going to hell if we keep harassing this poor guy. Uh, you well, know? But you know what? We'll be sitting at the bar <laughs> next to Andre Johnson. <laughs> that, as, I, as I said when I immediately saw it, I was like, man, when, when Dre speaks, E.F. Hutton listens because he, he's not one to go out like that regularly so that says a lot about this Easterby guy and and I do think that it's it, the Easterby thing is such a cloud over the organization because a person in his position the team four we should have n- n- never heard of him never it doesn't matter to anybody, to any of us, because he should. He's a, it's an internal position where he's dealing with players and people and their lives and stuff like that. But somehow they turn. Oh. Yeah. You can't hear me. Yeah, I can now. Sorry. Oh, I'm, I'm having problems on my. I can own. hear you. Yeah. There we go. Now we're working. Okay. You want me to try a regular phone line, Aaron? No, I'm. I'm having. This is. This is. A no, I'm having it too. Okay. Yeah, let's have a call. Just call back on your cell phone, Jerome. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought it was me. No, it was dropping out for me too. Oh, all right. Well, all I know is we were talking about Jesus Easterby, and then I kind of lost him. Yeah, I, w- I want to make sure I get his uh, get his his actual takes on it because it's. I mean, it's pretty wild. Yeah, and what I'm I'm curious about because he was at that that press conference. I'm I'm still. It's bizarre to me how every time somebody asks Cal, or we got him back. Okay, yeah, Jerome, pick pick that back up because we definitely want your thoughts on that. Yeah, I was just saying, like a, a guy who got hired at position Eastby got hired as, we should have never heard about him at all. It's internal position. It's it's like the person in HR who handles paperwork and. Social security numbers and you know health benefits. We don't need to know about that. Instead, they let this guy become somebody involved with the actual team, with the players and con and the squad. It's just, it's just, it was such a poor management deal. And I, don't, I don't think he's going. I know he's not going anywhere because. Hey, he just hooked his boy up with a six million dollar a year job. I I know people that I hate their guts, but if they hook me up with six million a year, I I keep them around too. One of, one of the things that I thought was interesting from the press conference we were talking about a little bit while you were dropped there is whenever somebody asks Cal or Nick Casario about the guy, they totally deflect the question and talk about something else. 
and and, and don't even you know like I, I've heard a couple people ask him now. It's like okay, what about those SI stories and all that? And they turn it into well, you know, with personnel, you have certain people have certain jobs, and they haven't addressed it at all. And it's kind of like. Um, shouldn't you at some point say at least defend him and say, "Oh no, that story's BS." Well, from Cal, I know why he doesn't because he's he, he doesn't understand the questions half the time. I mean, <laughs> he he was people made insults to him with questions, and he laughed it off and went on to something else as if he didn't even hear the question with Casario. No, he's not going to address that directly in a certain way because that's his boy. You know what I mean? And you would think that they would just come out and say, this is what this guy does. He's so good at this. We don't care what you think he's on our team. And they're in charge. They can say that. But it it is odd that they didn't. But one thing that hasn't been brought up often from that press conference either, when they were asked directly about trading Deshaun Watson, they didn't come with the definitive, oh, hell no, that's not happening. They just said, he's our quarterback, we like him, we can't wait to talk to him, to hash things out or whatever. But they didn't give a definitive, even though we know they're not going to trade him, it was still just a weird way to answer that question. Do you think uh, them saying that they're going to ask for permission to speak to Eric Bieniemy two days too late, by the way, to talk to him until the season's over, uh, do, do you think they're basically just pandering to Deshaun there? Yeah, that that m- much of this, I think, will get ironed out over the course of time. It's Casario, and this this is me giving him a whole lot of credit here, but it's Casario stepping in with an organization that was a mess, poorly run, poorly operated, just doing everything wrong for about the last year or so. You know what I mean? And so that kind of stuff wouldn't have happened under his watch. And he, he has to, I, I was going to say he has to clean that up, but he doesn't really even have to clean that up. He just, he just has to do better. And how can you do worse? You know what I mean? So the, the enemy thing, I, I doubt that he would be the coach here. It's just, you, you you need to have done something before now to make him your coach. And I'm not even saying he'd be the great one, but the Robert Sala thing, I don't know. I don't understand that. Like, why why have you not talked to him? You know him. You know what he's about. You need help. You need it's, – it's just they're just so poorly run. And it seemed that Easterby had so much – has had so much power, and his power was all about him maintaining his power – not necessarily about the team being better. Jerome Solomon, our guest, you can hear him uh, right here on Sunday mornings. I got to listen to you guys a little bit uh, uh, this week, as a matter of fact, as I was driving around. But, yeah, the, the, the Sala thing, I, I don't quite get, other than maybe, you know, it, it's a less uh, public version of the Matt Eberflus thing where he just said, I'm, I'm not interviewing with these guys. I mean, this when you look at this organization, if you're an up-and-coming young coach who's, who's going to have – good opportunities would you want to be here right now yeah i mean i i was disagreeing with you guys about that a few weeks ago that no this is a this is a good spot to be especially for a general manager because you're working for somebody who doesn't know what he's doing and he's going to get out of your way and let you run the whole ship i get that but no i i i've, I've kind of come to your side on that as a coach if you have options yeah you you kind of look around 
you've been we've seen enough of this stuff to know you don't really have these options. There are a whole bunch of coaches who thought they had options and they didn't. And right. they, I mean, they don't turn down these opportunities very often. I mean, they they just don't. And unless there's an offer on the table from another team, you don't say no to a team. Just especially for this reason. Like it would be different if the the Texans ownership was running out of money, or you know, they were you know. Guy was under indictment or something. It's, it's not that. It's they just been poorly run. But I, I think even even however you being the Texans have been run, you you know it's going to be run better for the next couple of years than it was for the last couple of years, right? So I, well, I don't know if you I, know that with Jack Easterby well, still there. I don't. I don't know if I, you can say for sure. I, I'm as I said earlier. I'm giving Casario a little more credit, maybe. Than, then maybe he even deserves. I just I think it's been so poorly run that it it has to be better. So yeah, I, I may I may be stretching that. And, and yeah, if I'm a if I'm a young coach trying to get my first job, maybe I don't want to go into that kind of situation. But the reason these jobs are usually open is because those are the kinds of situations that are available. You know what I mean? And the Texan situation is. It's just not worse than others. It's just ridiculous the way that it's been, and we're here. We're close to it, so we we have a different view of it as well. But I mean, it's a stable ownership. Money's fine. You got a great quarterback you're working with. It it there's there are positives there, but I, I I can certainly see if I had two offers on the table, I I could see why a coach would go with the other. But the enemy's been trying to get a job for a long time. Salah would be. Very much ready to take a job if one offer is offered to him. They they're not in a position to be turning people down. Well, and, and this should be the most attractive job, but after what you know, you've heard the last week, basically since they they made the hire the weird way that they did, your quarterback's pissed off. It is kind of uh, uh, gone downhill a little bit. I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts on last night's championship game and uh, uh, and the fact that uh, how how just how good was this Alabama team. This this whole college football season was such a mess that it, it's almost unfair to Alabama that we didn't really get to see a, a full year to know how good they actually were. They hell, they may have been one of the all-time great teams, but I'm not going to give them that kind of love because they didn't have one of the all-time great seasons because of the way everything shook out. And I know my Aggie friends will all be mad about this, but. Do we really think A and M is one of the top four or five teams in the country, or they deserve to be one of the top four or five teams this season? By the way it played out, you know what I mean. I and I, but at I just, some point, I don't you don't have to say give anybody credit? Don't you have to say, well, kind of like the steroid era? I always say about the steroid era. I mean, yeah, they, they all cheated. Guys like Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, they were still the best because when everybody else was cheating and they were cheating, they were the best guys. Well, oh, it, it, oh, at yeah, some point, definitely. you have to give them credit for surviving the, this messed up season better than oh, anybody yeah. else could. No question. That's why I say they they deserve it. They but if 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 Bonds and Clemens had had one great year and one steroid year, it would be different than they had so much other stuff to to go with. No, I'm all I'm all about deserve. I think A&M should have been in the playoffs. You know what I mean? But I don't. 
I don't think if the season had played out normally and everybody was there and everybody played regular games, that a and would have been would have lost only one game. I, I just don't see that. And if everybody had been there and everybody played every game, Alabama would still probably have gone unbeaten and yes. dominated, and it would have been fascinating. I just like I say, I think they were robbed of being able to show how great they were. You know, and unlike the Lakers from last year, that's from pulling up here at Toyota Center for the Rockets game. Unlike the Lakers last year, I don't know if they were that great, and I don't know if they would have won it if it was a regular 82 game season without the COVID break and the, you know, the bubble. I think eventually we'll win it. I, yeah, I think but. eventually we'll see what what this Alabama team's greatness is on on draft days over the next few years when there's probably yeah. 25 or 30 guys on this team that are going to be playing in the NFL. Yeah, and and the, the thing that's not arguable, man, Nick Saban is so good. Oh. God, man, it's, it's, if you're a huge college football fan of a team, it's disgusting because your coach isn't as good as him. And, never and it's, it's, <laughs> he seems like a guy that you want to hate, but he's just so damn good at his job, it pisses you off. It, it's... It, I don't. I, my guess is he's not good at anything else. Oh, certainly he'd pro- not. He'd probably be a horrible father because he he's all <laughs> football. I mean, like, I mean, like, what else can he do? He's so. I mean, doesn't good his, at that. doesn't his daughter occasionally go on Twitter and uh, in in cape for him? I think maybe I, I don't know, but she seems to love him at least. Oh, oh I, I, I I love him and he my daddy. That's what I'm talking about. How can he be good at anything else when he's so good at this? And put so much into it, so much time and effort, and he does the he does the Belichick thing. I know he did it years ago now, but like after winning a game like last night, he goes, "Well, we're behind on recruiting because we had to play an extra week or two. I'm like, <laughs> dude, stop, smell the roses. <laughs> but he, he, he's special, man. It's 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 pretty incredible. All right, that's Jerome Solomon. You can follow him on Twitter at Jerome Solomon. Watch him on TV. Read his uh. Did he just hang up on us? He hung up. He's had enough of you. He doesn't want to hear your outro. All right. Well, fine. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) (laughs) Smell the roses, Jerome. Uh, uh, All right. We'll be right back. It's the Blitz on ESPN 97.5-92.5. You're listening to ESPN 97.5. This is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're back on The Blitz. So some breaking news while we were on Twitch there. Uh, Chuck, Chuck Pagano uh, retiring in Chicago. Uh, did a good job with that defense and... Uh, I think I think was a better coach at Indy than he got credit for, but I, I, I my first thought was, man, I wonder if the cancer's back. Yeah, I don't know. I, I hope that's not the case. Uh, I hope it's just look. Man, I've, I've I've had a good career looking to step away, but yeah, you never know. And uh, we haven't talked about it yet, but uh, Doug Peterson being available, you're the Texans. Do you make that phone call? 
I think you have to, right? I I, I do. But like when you're looking at the list of guys who are out there and available and without a job, he, he's the he's probably the most accomplished guy, right? Uh, you would think. And I think you have to at least have a conversation with him. Uh, it's it's not sexy, but it's a guy who's who's got some experience winning big games. So I, I, it's hard to it's hard to just pretend like ah we're not interested in that guy. Well, I, I don't understand why you don't talk to every quality candidate that's available and make the best decision that way. And like why why you haven't talked to Robert Sala makes no sense to me. I mean this this is a guy that everybody considers a top candidate. Um, why you haven't. You know why it took this long to request to talk to be enemy. These may not be the guys, but talk to all of them. Doug Peterson, guy did win a Super Bowl, and if Howie Roseman's a problem there, maybe he comes here and you know works well with with Nicholas Casario, or I'm sorry, just plain old Nick, Saint Nick. Then you know that's a guy that's been there. And I'd bring that defensive coordinator with me too, but you know, I, again, I'm not I'm not the one making decisions over on Kirby. If I were, be hoo really dumb. I just I don't know who that guy is. Did he win? A, what's the Super Bowl? <sighs> do, do you feel like that when Cal talks, there's somebody with their hand up his back? Kind of, I mean, it, it, it almost it almost feels like someone's typing into a computer what he's supposed to be saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, they they should uh, they should hook him up Stephen Hawking style. Um, the couple other names, like apparently, reportedly, several NFL teams have reached out to Pat Fitzgerald for head coaching interviews. Mm. What are your thoughts on Pat Fitzgerald? Eh, I I think you. I mean, listen, the guy's done a good job at a at a place where it's very difficult to win consistently. Certainly, I, I mean, this is a to 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 have a a good program put together at Northwestern. That's something you don't see very often. So I I mean, I, I think he's a good coach. I I don't know why he would want to t- translate that to the NFL. Yeah, but, unless... but from what I've heard, he's he's told NFL teams I'm not interested. That doesn't mean that. He won't stay at, at Northwestern, or that doesn't mean he won't stay, or he won't take an, uh, a look at another college job. But he, he, I think he's he's denied all the NFL requests. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You, you never know. I mean, if the the one he wants opens up, then that might be something. I I don't know. I think he's a good college coach, and I, I just think that you can look at Nick Saban as the perfect example of a guy who's a maybe the greatest college coach of all time. And was not a very good NFL coach. There's, there's guys where it works, Pete Carroll, but Pete Carroll had already been in the NFL and had a coaching job in the NFL when he came back from college. So I, I don't know. I, I just I'm not a big fan of these. Although the direction the league's going, like I guess the Eagles want to talk to Lincoln Riley. That's a guy that I, I might take a chance on because you know what? That's that's the offense that everybody's running now. And he's very creative. How that's going to translate, I don't know. It's worked better for Cliff Kingsbury than I thought it would. But I, I, I could see a Lincoln Riley more so than a Pat Fitzgerald, if that sounds fair. I, I, I listen. I, I think that Pat Fitzgerald's done a good job there. I don't know if that translates above and beyond what he's done so far. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that 
could he do, could he do a good job? I mean, I, I'm not saying he can't do a good job somewhere else. I, I don't. I'm, I just don't know that. Oh well, he's an NFL guy because he had some success. And let's let's face it, moderate success at Northwestern. It's not like he's winning national championship. It, Pat Fitzgerald's it, like people clamoring for him to be an NFL coach kind of reminds me of clamoring for David Shaw to be an NFL coach. Yeah, which by the way, no one does anymore because now Stanford stinks. Right. But that it, it, it was that case for like two or three years. Everybody was like, "Ooh, if David Shaw, if they could get him in the NFL, David Shaw." And it turns out, well, I mean, maybe someone was was right not to jump on that wagon so quickly. Yeah, I I kind of always felt like in his case, he inherited a program that went slowly downhill every year he was there, and it was a, a long trip down. But yeah, I, I was never impressed with him, and I and that's a that's a guy that. You know, when you talk about maybe you should take the jobs when they get offered, maybe he should have done that. Maybe he should have taken the NFL jobs when they were out there. But And one, one more little coaching tidbit news. Bill O'Brien looks to be the new offensive coordinator at Alabama. How excited are you? I mean, listen, I'm about as excited as I would have been. If, I, if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm about the same level of excitement when they said uh, Lane Kiffin is your new O.C., Okay, now Steve Sarkeesian's your new OC. I mean, they this is this program does that. Nick Saban does that. He takes like mangy puppies off the streets and cleans them up and and gets them worming medication, and suddenly they they go off and they thrive somewhere else. I I, I don't know how he does it, but he does it. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, that's the easiest job in football. It's not like you're going to rebuild your reputation there, O'Brien. I mean, uh, you know what? I bet you their offense isn't as good next year. Not going to have anything to do with him, but uh, it's going to be hard to be as good as they were this year. And that's just from a, a talent perspective. But yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, obviously he'll probably do this for a year, and then some college team that needs a coach will. Oh, he's look look he ran Alabama. They won a national championship. Let's uh let's give him another chance, and. Then he'll be off coaching at Northwestern to replace Fat Pat Fitzgerald when he goes to the NFL. There's there's your path. All right, 713-780-ESPN is your number, 713-780-3776. I think that covers all of the uh, coaching turmoil for the day. I will be watching intently the first couple Alabama games to see when something screws up and Bill O'Brien snaps at Nick Saban, and Nick Saban being, what, nine inches shorter than him, gets in his face and yells at him, and then you see – O'Brien have to cower and go, yes, sir. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, I won't do that again. This it it is kind of a weird marriage because O'Brien's a hothead, Saban's a hothead. I'm I'm sure they're going to clash. I, I'd be willing to. In fact, I, that's going to be must see sideline TV. Finally, a sideline reporter will be useful. They could just go and be the fight the the fight throw reporter in this corner with a butt chin. It's Bill O'Brien, and in this corner. The tiny little elf, Nick Saban. Fight to the death. <laughs> Go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. I just looked up and realized that we only got one segment left. That's right. How the hell did that happen? Uh, well, time flies when you're having fun. Wow. I was just getting started. Uh, soccer Matters tonight, 7 o'clock, with the legendary Glenn Davis, one of my favorite human beings, and Hall of Fame with Booker T and Brad uh, Gilmore, 9 o'clock tonight. So when we're done, the station is certainly not done. All right, quick break. It is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5, 92.5.
Blitz on ESPN 97.5. You are listening to The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios... Here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're back on the Blitz. Final segment of the show. Little, hey, man, bleep that time. Aaron, why don't you lead us off today? All right. Well, uh, we talked about yesterday the Nickelodeon airing the, uh, what was it, Bear Saints for kids, you know, to get them involved and teach them a little bit about the game, which is great. But at the same time, field mics, ref mics, they're going to pick up what adults say on the field, and these are adults. If something doesn't go their way, they're going to say something <laughs> yeah. that yep. you don't want kids to hear. And Corderell Patterson was caught when a ref announced a penalty saying, what the bleep? And it was clear as day when you go back and listen to it. And then I saw some people this morning were demanding that he apologize for swearing on the field because he should have known he was on Nickelodeon in front of millions of children. First of all, their parents have said a lot worse about a presidential candidate over the last 12 years. I guarantee it. One way or the other. Second, it's not really his fault. The network either has to have a better dump button, the producer needs to be faster on the trigger with that, or just don't carry sound from the field on a kid's thing. Just play, like, happy-go-lucky baby shark music or something underneath and let that happen. But you can't fault a grown man for being upset in a playoff game that he got called for, or somebody on his team got called for a penalty that he didn't agree with and letting an F-bomb fly. For that, hey, man, f*** that. All right. Well, I haven't talked much about that mess in Washington because I don't really, frankly... I, I'm I, I'm I'm not the kind of person who's ever going to be mad enough to protest anything, and I'm damn sure not going to break into a building. But one of my favorite things was one of the people who was arrested uh, said he was the detainees were treated like animals. He was held for more than 24 hours and had his cell phone seized in Wednesday's bust. He said uh, they treated us like animals. They took all of our phones. I didn't get to make a phone call to tell anybody where I was. Um, you know what? That's not exactly being treated like an animal. But guess what? You were acting like animals. <laughs> so to that, I say, hey man, f- that. Uh, yeah. I, I, my story is about being treated like an animal as well. Uh, did you see the manatee that had uh, Trump's name uh, carved into its back? No, no, I didn't see this. Yeah, the West Indian manatee, this was in Florida, and where manatees are uh, protected species, illegal to feed, harm, harass, pursue, hunt, shoot, wound, kill, annoy, or molest. Thank God they put in the molesting thing. <laughs> but someone caught it and scraped the word Trump onto its back. Now, I don't know that it, I, I don't know what manatees are made of. Like, I don't know if it hurts this thing to have like, you like. Giant sea cows, basically. Right, and, yeah. But they've also got like. It almost looks like there's, like, stone on them somehow. I, I don't know. But it would certainly fall under harassment. I, I, but here's my point. Like, it's not like putting up a billboard. What's the point of riding Trump on a manatee? That's that's just a very odd choice to 
to to do some sort of graffiti. Like, uh, uh, if you do it on the freeway, people will see it. Yeah. But like, uh, putting it on a manatee. Like, what? What's the? What's That's the a Florida with thing that? to do, man? It's very, very Florida. To that, I say. Hey, man. That. <laughs> Can I confess something? You did this to the manatee. You no. molested the manatee. No, I, I, I. You know what? I'm, I don't know that I've ever seen a manatee in person, and I would never molest one. But I have to admit that while I was watching the whole riot thing, there was a dude that had a really badass Trump jersey that had 45 and Trump and had everything in red, white, and blue. And I was like, man, that looks kind of badass. I wish it had somebody else on it, but that's a pretty badass jersey. That was, that, that was my takeaway from the whole thing. I want to get, get one of those with, like, uh, you know, Falcon. Do it. In the same colors. Why not? Yeah, because I'm not I'm not that uh, narcissistic. <laughs> You're not that bold. No, no. I, I like to pretend to be a narcissist, but uh, I, I'm really not. Somebody's asking about, I've, I've got a neograph appointment with Dr. Linville. Uh, I'm, just, I'm getting nervous because all the medication, do I have anything to worry about? No, not at all, man. It's an easy procedure. It depends. It's different for everybody. Like, I had to have a bunch done. Uh, and, you know, so it, it, it took a long time, like about eight hours. But it's it's a really easy procedure, and you're going to be so happy you got it done. I promise you. Do either of you guys? I'm see. I'm watching Rockets warmups right now. Do either of you have a strong take on these blue uniforms and the court being love you blue? Like it, it's it just looks really odd to me. Um, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I I rarely pay, pay attention to uniforms, even though I just pray, praise that jersey. But this uh, is this is there's no way you can like when you turn on a Rockets game there's an expectation of what you're going to see and this looks like the the Tar Heels are warming up it, it's it's very very odd to, well, like oh. we're going to switch over to it and see it it's I mean I I don't know it it you're right it looks like the Tar Heels it doesn't look like an Oilers throwback yeah I I, I don't get it I mean I was born and raised here just like. Both of you, I mean, except for you were slightly outside, AJ, but I'm from here. I went to Oilers games as a kid. I don't like it because it's time to move on from the Oilers. You, I mean, you've got a trash-ass organization playing football still, but if you want to pay tribute to something of old, pick something else. Move well, on, especially the court, put, actually painting the court for it, too. Yeah, I, I mean, I like, I like throwbacks, and I like that somebody at least tried to remember the Oilers, but at some point... It's hard because here, here's what happened. The Oilers were our wife for a long time, and we had some good times. We had some bad times, and in the end, she died. Yeah. And now we have a new wife, and it turns out that she's become a raving bitch. So we really look back on, damn, you know, the wife that died wasn't that bad, but realistically, you don't want to go back to her, well, because she's dead. So... Um, yeah, I, I think it is time to move on. I know a lot of people would like to get the, the history back, which I, I think it's ridiculous that the history of that team is in Tennessee. That makes no sense to me. Yeah. But in, in the end, does it really change things? And it's like, you know, looking at Derrick Henry's number compared to Earl Campbell in franchise history, it just, it, it seems so, uh, it just seems so awful to me, but you know, oh, well. Okay, so soccer matters with Glenn Davis tonight. You got you got any uh, sports betting going tonight? 
I have one game. I'm on old UC Riverside against USC. Uh, one of the only teams that can match up with their size, uh, and it should be a a low scoring. I don't have much great to say about Riverside, but it should be a low scoring game. So 14 seems like a lot to me. All right. Well, we got uh, soccer matters with Glenn Davis at seven hall of fame with Booker T and Brad at nine. uh, Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's Tuesday. Yep. So soccer matters day. You're, you're right. You're the expert. I'm just reading off what was given (laughs) to me, pal. Which I, I'm sure Aaron got it from you. So, <laughs> anyway. All right. Fun show, guys. We will uh, do it again uh, tomorrow. It'll be one of the odds Wednesday. It's already going to be Wednesday. Wow. So, uh, Aaron, great job today. AJ, great job. Great job from the uh, Twitch uh, crowd as well. And the textures, even. Till tomorrow. Stay sportsy, bitches. This is Heisman Trophy winner, college football Hall of Famer, Eddie George, and you're listening to ESPN 97.5.